0: Well, hey, good morning. My name's Todd Knight, one of the elders here, and uh, just thrilled to get to speak to you today. I want to say that if you are uh, visiting with us, we would like to invite you to join us out uh, right after the service. We've got our next room out there. We'd love to have you come over, and we'd like to just communicate some next steps on how you can connect here. We'd love to get to meet you and just answer any questions, and Jackie and I will be over there briefly and just want to meet you and uh, visit with you after the service. Uh, Speaking of that, I have my lovely bride here with me of 28 years this morning, Miss Jackie. She loves it when you do that, trust me. But, uh, you know, we met um, about 1983 at Abilene Christian and uh, dated pretty much, hey, we got some cats out there, bring it. Uh, We met and dated most of our time uh, out there in 1987. We got married. And uh, it's, it's been a wild ride. It's been an amazing ride, beautiful ride. And, uh, you know, just shortly after that, I think uh, that was 87, 1988, we met uh, some friends named Jamie and Kim Miller on the back row of a 3,000-member church. We were all sitting, and uh, there was just a friendship that struck up there. I think Jamie was selling insurance at the time I met him. And, uh, we just began pursuing the Lord together and we were, we were on a hot pursuit of the things of God. We wanted anything and everything God was doing. We were hungry for Jesus and we wanted him to show us. And by his grace, we wanted to say yes to him all along the way. It was just a time of just rapid growth, uh, full of life. Uh, just, you know, one of the most unclear times and most exciting times because everything was new just all the time, uh. In that, a few years later, Jamie gets called to ministry, and Christ Fellowship gets started in 1993, and we get connected with the church uh, pretty early in that process. And we've been here 22 years now, and uh, man, has the time gone fast! It's just amazing, you know, to look back uh, to see all the life change that has happened, everything that we've just got to see, be involved with, watch from a distance, see it up close. Um, It's just been, it's been literally a book of Acts experience for the last 22 years here. I say all that to say our best days are still ahead of us as a church. We are most excited about what God has yet to do, where we're headed, where we're going. We are thankful for what happened back there, but it's all about what God is doing in the future and what He has yet to do because we are still in the process of growing, changing following God, being transformed by Him. And so I just want to encourage us all just to keep It is this is the greatest time in the life of Christ Fellowship that we have ever had, period. This is it. We are all living in it right now. And so we're excited about what's coming. Amen? Uh, so we're going to continue on with the series that, that we've been doing through the summer here about more in everyday life. Today I want to talk about the character of faithfulness. And, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is because over the years, one of the most common threads that I hear from people as I sit across the table and talk to people and share meals together is the desire to know what is God's will for my life. What is the purpose He has for me right now? What does He want to do with my life in the future? How do I serve in this place right now where I'm at? And the interesting thing is that the challenge on trying to answer some of those questions is that if we just look at today, if we just look at the moment we're in, whether that's changing dirty diapers or trying to hit the sales quota or trying to get the tires changed on the car or just, it can appear a little underwhelming. We're so like this is it, this is, this is kind of all, it, all it's, it doesn't seem real glorious and spiritual right now, if we just look at today. On the other hand, if we're just looking down the road all the time, and we're always just thinking about what, what's tomorrow going to happen, what's God gonna, how's God going to take this today and connect it to that, and we're just thinking about tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow all the time, that can be overwhelming because I can't, I can't see that far. I'm not sure what's going to happen, how, where I'm going to end up. And so if we go too long without getting clarity on these issues, sometimes we start sensing a restlessness inside of us. And that restlessness is often because we are sensing that I was made for more than this. Surely there's got to be more. Surely it's bigger than this. And what I want to say to that is, yes. Yes, what you are feeling and what you are sensing, it is right. But at the same time, there is a process that we must go through. And what God is wanting to work through us in those times is a character of faithfulness. He is wanting to walk us through a process to show us something. And so, um, I want to talk about that a little little bit this morning, you know. And I just would say, it's not a complicated process, but it is going to require us to go through a process in order to get there, okay? So, open with me to uh, Galatians 5. 5... 16 through 25, I like the, uh, the, the heading on this portion of Scripture, it says life in the Spirit. That's really what we're going to be talking about a lot today, life in the Spirit. So here we are, verse 16, Galatians 5, <clears throat> so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But here's where I want to focus today. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Let's pray for a minute. Lord, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for the power of your Word, Lord. And Father, we thank you for the the Spirit of the living God that lives in us, God, that gives us light, that gives us hope gives us faith, God. And so, Father, we ask you to open our eyes this morning. Let us hear what the Spirit is saying and give us grace to follow you in all that you ask us. In Jesus' name, amen. So what the text is saying is that the the flesh and the Spirit are in conflict with each other. They are at war. They are tugging tugging at each other. And it says, so don't just do whatever you want to do. Abide in the Spirit is the call. Live by the Spirit of God. Don't just do whatever our mind, whatever our latest hunger, desire to do. Submit it to the Spirit and then do what the Spirit is doing. And I love verse 25. It says, Since we live by the Spirit, then let us walk by the Spirit. It's kind of like, duh. Since we live by the Spirit then it would be completely rational to walk by the Spirit. That is our purpose, okay? And so the Spirit says here in the text that it produces the faithfulness for everyday life. And so really the main thing I want to say to you today, that as we faithfully trust and obey God, He promises to shape us and lead our lives into the very purposes and callings for which we were made. As we faithfully trust and obey God, He promises to shape and lead our lives into the very purposes and callings for which we were made. Our daily choices have so much to do with whether we walk in faithfulness or not. It has so much to do with how much of God's life we get to experience. I came really aware of this situation, of this opportunity, when I was about 10 years old. So something had been going on. We had been, our family was sitting around the uh, dinner table, and we'd been dismissed uh, for the evening. And about an hour later, I heard the bellowings of my father. "Todd, get in here in the kitchen right now!" I was like, "This is not going to go well." And so I just kind of mosey into the kitchen, wondering, "Lord have mercy, what has he found out?" And I don't even remember exactly what had happened, but I think it had something to do with some chores that I have abdicated potentially, and uh, he was letting me know in no uncertain terms that I would be faithful and responsible, and you will do what I ask you to do. I am tired of asking you to do this, and there will be trouble if you don't do it the next time. Are we clear, son? And it was like, great. Yeah, we're really clear right now, Dad. So our little meeting's over, and uh, we get up. We're walking out of the kitchen, and I'm walking about two steps in front of my father. And as we're walking away, he says something. Did you heard what I said? And I was like, bad decision, bad decision. What I thought was, I'm in front of him. He can't see the face I'm making right now. Minor miscalculation. There was a mirror on the wall in front of us. And about the time I did that, our eyes locked And back to the kitchen we went, and it was on. And my body paid the price for my rebellion. And so I learned about that, you know. It was really clear that I had not quite attained a a character of faithfulness at this point. However, a few years later, I come to find Jesus in a really powerful way. And as I give myself to Jesus, I am filled with the Spirit, which happens to all of us as we give our life to Jesus. And it was at this point, when I finally gave myself to Jesus, I finally stopped trying to circumvent the rules and surrendered myself to God shaping my character. I finally allowed Him, because of the Spirit of God that was was now living in me, I was finally willing to, to submit and let him shake my character. And so we go on a little journey. You know, Shortly after that, God begins to put his finger on some issues that he wants to deal with in my life. The very first thing he put his finger on was my pride. My desire to, to be important. I am early 20s. I am absolutely... Trying to figure out who I am, as many are doing at that age. And I am trying to prove that I've got significance. I'm trying to prove my worth. I'm trying to prove that I've got something to bring to the table, that I'm going to make it, I'm going to be somebody. And God is like, hey, we got to talk. And I had had, uh, I was headed towards a a career uh, in a particular industry that I really loved. I'd been involved in it all through college. And I was like, this is the path that I'm going to go down. And I really, I was, again, I was enjoying it. Uh, the problem was I had way too much identity and status connected to this career. It was a big deal to me. It made me feel like I was somebody. And it had a chance to, you know, to be very successful in doing it. And I saw all those things. But God saw something deeper. He just saw that you're trying to pursue me. You're running after me. This is going to be your downfall because it means too much to you. And so through a series of events, it was about a two-year process of me finally giving up this dream to God that He was asking me to let go of. He ended up taking me into the construction industry. And that was a long ways from where I had plans on being. Beautiful thing is, today, owning my own business in the construction industry, I'm doing exactly... What my heart has longed to do. I'm doing exactly what I love to do. I wake up every morning looking forward to go to the office and work because it's how God made me. And I don't know what would happen had I gone down that road, but I had to give myself to Jesus. I had to give my dreams, my plans to Jesus, and trust Him with it completely. And what a beautiful, amazing thing He did for me. It's like the story we find in Matthew 19, it's a classic picture of entitlement. With the rich young ruler. And so this guy shows up, the disciples are there, Jesus is there, and so the rich young ruler's been observing these guys and he's like, hey, kind of like to be a part of what you all are doing. What can I do to uh, get in on this little venture that you guys got going on here? It's really compelling. And Jesus, can you imagine what the disciples were thinking about this time? I mean, these guys are just trying to put one day in front of the next. I mean, just trying to get food for the day, out fishing all day long. I mean, boats are broken down, and the rich young ruler shows up. I mean, don't you think they're like going, dude, we are so fixing to get new boats. Like, this is awesome. Not only that, Peter's like, man, we're going to have sponsorships on all the boats. I mean, we're going to the next level with this ministry. Who knows? And Jesus looks at him. They're all going, yeah, Jesus, come on, man, make it happen. And Jesus says, hey, here's what I need you to do. I need you to sell the bins. I need you to get rid of the 70-inch plasma TV, sell that. And that Apple watch you got, just go ahead and give that to a homeless guy. It's like, says he went away sad and why did he go away sad i think part of the reason was because he didn't want it to cost him anything particularly his status his identity his image those things were precious to him what he was asking to do was to skip the process skip the char- the character process that jesus was asking him to I don't know that Jesus was even saying no to him in the big picture. I think he was just saying, Let me shape your character and let's keep talking. But he went away sad. And so, what we learn here is that pedigree doesn't entitle us to get to skip the process. You know, our family name, our success, our accomplishments does not allow us to have an express pass in the kingdom. So one of the reasons you know I love reading biographies is because we learn so much about what it took for people to get where they're at, to get where they arrived. I love reading about the dreams they had, the struggles they had, the trials they faced, the the uh, victories they uh, the way they had to overcome, the way they had to endure. It's just it's really powerful to to read those stories, because we're always asking the question, man, how do you get from A to be, to see. You know, we look around and see each other's lives, and we see what God is doing. We're like, how would they get there? Like they were they were here, and like this is amazing. What what happened? And I would say that God clearly has a, a plan for our life. He is all about us growing in maturity. But there, but spiritual growth is not automatic. There's a decision required every time, and it always begins with, with a decision. And the decision is to surrender it all. That's the first step on the journey, is just to give it all to Jesus. But even that, how do we surrender it all? What does that look like? I mean, how do I walk in faithfulness? What, what does this mean exactly? I love what the famous missionary Elizabeth Elliot said. Her quote was, The only way to remain faithful to God is to remember to do the next thing God tells you. Pretty simple. If you want to stay faithful to God, then just keep doing what He's asking you to do. Just keep following Him. So let's take a minute to look at, so what are some of the things we need in order for this kind of living to affect our everyday life? The first thing is a revelation of Jesus. We want to be experiencing Him continually. We want to be seeing Him on a regular basis. We want to be sensing Him. We want to be knowing His nearness. We want to be putting ourselves in a position to hear and experience and see Jesus at all costs. Now I remember in my early 20s, I kind of knew God from a distance. The, uh, but one day I've had this incredible revelation of who Jesus was. And it was a completely... Mind-blowing experience. It was just an unhinged, I finally got to the end of myself. I finally got desperate enough to lay everything down. Everything down and say, God, I know who you I know you're real. But I want to see you. I've got to see more. I can't keep living like this. I have got to see the living God. I've got to know the real God. And it's like, God doesn't need much to break into those kind of prayers. I mean, He is coming like a freight train. When we start reaching out to Him in sincerity and authenticity, He will come in a moment and pour out His love and His hope over us. I found myself during this time being absolutely consumed with knowing Him. I was consumed with reading the Word of God. I was consumed with being in His presence. I was consumed with being around His people. I just wanted to know Him in every possible way. Because when you love someone, you begin to love the things they love. Their desires begin to become your desires. This is what was happening in my life. It was transforming. It was changing me. But it wasn't until I got a revelation of who Jesus really was that I was actually able to start obeying Him. Once I saw Him, obeying was just automatic. It was compelling. It was natural. It was something I longed to do. On the other hand, we've got the children of Israel. And they couldn't live up to the Ten Commandments because they didn't know God. They're relying on somebody else to hear God for them instead of trying to hear God themselves. They're looking for somebody else to tell them what to do. And so they had no power, because they weren't meeting with God, they had no power to be godly. It's because it takes God in us to be godly. It is His life. Right after Jackie and I got married, we were just experiencing an awakening in our lives that we had never, never had seen before. One of the things we had to do was that we're coming together in this new relationship, and I've got a Church of Christ background. Jackie grew up Catholic. Later they became Assembly of God, and then they started going to non-denominational church. And it's like, you put those three together, and it's just kind of like, I don't know what to do with that exactly. It's just, it was a little confusing. It wasn't anybody's fault. It was just that we realized that we had kind of been living on our parents' faith. And that's not a bad thing. But there comes a point in time where God's got to be real to you. And we've got to find out who he is. And so we took these things and we just said, you know what? We're just going to leave those right here right now. And we said, Jesus, we know that you are the king of kings. We know that you are God. We know that Jesus loves us. We know he is the ruler of the world. Would you show us who you are and we will follow you all the days of our lives. We want to know what you say to us. We want to know what it means for our lives. How do we work this out in the place that we're at, the things we're dealing with? Our parents gave us a great heritage, but we've got to know you for us. But we had to lay down these past experiences in order for him to teach us new truths. And so we're just on this pursuit of the presence of God, and it is changing and transforming everything inside of us. And not only was it changing our lives, it was changing our very purpose for living. It was the reason we got up every morning. It was the reason we're breathing air. And the more we obeyed Him, the more He changed our lives. The more we committed to obey Him, it was, what we were committing to do was by His grace, we were saying, Jesus, we will follow You no matter the cost. Even if it hurts, even if it's painful, as much as we know how, we're going to say yes to You. No, we didn't do that perfectly, but that was our heart. And we did it multiple, multiple times just trying to fight through the culture and the you know, others saying, hey, you don't have to do that. Just, just slow down, tap the brakes. And we're going, God is calling. God is calling us and we're coming. And we have got to say yes to him because we believe that saying yes to him will bring more life and peace and hope to our hearts than saying yes to anything the culture can offer us. And so we just began to walk by the Spirit, and what that meant was us becoming committed to everything we did, meaning whatever we put our hand to, we are staying in it, and we're going to finish it until we get to the end. Sometimes we wanted to hit the eject button and get out, because this doesn't feel like exactly what we ought to be doing, but you know what? If God put us in at the beginning, we're going to stay in it to the end, and then we'll go to the next place that God has for us. But it, it changed us in order to get, for our word to mean something. If we told somebody we were going to do it or we reported to serve in some area, we're in and we're going to do it until the time's over. Every decision we had is being filtered through Jesus. I mean every decision. I mean our money for the first time when we start filtering through Jesus. Lord, whatever you say with the finances, we'd get the check on Friday and we'd lay it down and go, Whatever you say is what we're doing with this check. We got bills to pay, we got food to eat, and we got all kinds of things to do. But God, you're the King. Show us how to use this money today, this check. You and your mercy have allowed us to earn this money for the week, for this month, and so we submit it to you. It was affecting our schedules, whatever we, where we go, how we'd use our time. Uh, just every, our calendar was completely, we were like, Lord, we submit it to you. Our holidays, our vacations, wherever we went, it was like, Lord, we want to go do this. We'll do it if you say yes. If you give us a release of peace, you give us faith to go do it, we're doing it. But if you say no, we're not doing it, and we're good with that. You're the king of our lives, and we want to obey you in every way, God. Prayer became a huge peace force during this time. And one of the ways we learned to hear God was through journaling. And So we would just get out our little notebook every morning, uh, getting up to meet with God. We're growing in that little discipline as well. But we would just sit down in our independent places and start writing out the questions that we needed God to answer. somewhere. we're like, "Lord, we got a car that's broken down. Lord, we've got a, you know, we want to go see our friends here. We want to, we got a vacation. We've, you know, just anything and everything. It was just we needed God to speak. We'd just write the questions down, and then we'd say, "Lord, what do you say?" And we'd wait. If he didn't say anything that day, we'd come back the next day, Lord, what do you say? What do you say? We're not moving until God tells us what to do on these things. Because we know his timing is going to be the perfect timing for us. Such a character shaping, such a time of growth. And he would speak to us over and over again. We finally, it became normal for us to hear God and understand what God was, uh, how he was speaking to us. The less we cared to gratify the flesh, the more we enjoyed our experience in Jesus it's an amazing thing, you know. And today we find ourselves just building on the same, same foundations. And we just really never get that far from the basics, guys. As, as long as we live, we do a lot of different things. We experiment with a lot of different things. But at the end of the day, it's still just going to really come back to us on how are we doing meeting with God? How are we doing? Am I aware of the presence of God when I'm out meeting with customers? Am I sensitive to the voice of God throughout the day? And are we mindful of the lost in our journey? That's pretty much it. That's what we center our lives around. That's what, that's what makes us the happiest. That's what fills us the most in having the greatest life ever in the process. You know, I love uh, Matthew ten thirty nine. It says that whoever loses his life, whoever finds their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. So the second thing we might want to consider in order for this to affect our everyday life is a res- resolution that I belong. You know, God is so into identity. He is so into identity. I mean, we can read it through the Scripture from, from cover to back cover. But even if we start at Genesis 1, that man, God created man in His own image. That is a sense of belonging right there. Like, I made you to be like me. How about that? That's where I got the idea. When I made you, I thought of me. So boom, there you go. It's like, wow, that's a sense of belonging. That's a sense of purpose and destiny in life right there. But the reason we need to think about this identity, because if we don't get clarity, if we don't understand that we belong, if we don't understand that we are worthy of the exchanged life that He's offering us, then we'll never be able to walk in faithfulness. We'll never be able to walk in confidence. We'll never be able to walk in the purposes that God has made us do because there's always going to be somebody else that's smarter, has been doing it longer, that's more spiritual, that prays longer than I do, and they're better than I am if we're thinking that way. We'll never get there. You know, in the early years, I was given an opportunity to go into full-time ministry, and uh, it was actually a very intriguing uh, option for me. I really hadn't thought about it because I had grown up with the model of a father who owned his own business and was actually uh, uh, planted a church up in Virginia where we lived, and I saw the business model and I saw leadership in the church uh, and supporting the church financially and just like. That was that was, what, that was who our family was, but when I got this offer to consider, the pastor was asking me said, I want you to pray about it, and so uh, we did. But I re- pretty quickly realized that I was being called to do ministry in the marketplace, and through that, you know, I just I just had a, a strong call uh, to the marketplace. It was it was I had always dreamed of owning my own business, but I submitted that to God, going. Uh, you know, I kind of really would like to do this, but I, I, I really just want what you want. And if I'm supposed to do this, then make it clear to me regarding the ministry thing. Uh, but we, didn't, we ended up not doing that. And it was the best, best decision you know, that we've made because I absolutely love you know, what I do. A few years later, we find ourselves at Christ Fellowship surrounded by all of this vision for church planning movements and I'm like what is this I don't even know what this is it's like man we got a train in school we got people going to the nations and we're you know I'm watching friends I know jump on the plane and head across the pond and I'm just like dude I'm like trying to figure out how to pay the rent and get a car that has AC in it I mean like man everybody's just got so much vision for life around here and I'm just I'm just trying to live and just walk it out but what happened was because of all this going on and I'm feeling like I felt like God told me to do this. And I see all these other people, man, just fired up to want to go do this. And I thought it was stirring up a sense of insecurity in me. And so I was asking the question. I was like, God, how do I fit? Where Where's my place in this deal? How do I belong in this movement and what's going on? And so Jackie and I, we had to go pray and seek God. We're going, Lord, what, is this, what does this mean for us? Like, is this what you're telling us to do? Is this, is this the plan? Like thought you said this, but I mean, you're the king, whatever you want to do. But the Lord gave us peace. He gave us vision. He goes, why don't you guys serve at the home base? Why don't you work at the headquarters? Why don't you keep following me with everything in you? Why don't you disciple? Why don't you give funds to it? Why don't you help these missionaries that are longing to do this? Help them get going. Serve them, love them, strengthen them, disciple them, pray over them. And I was like, that's it. I can do that. And I got me excited about doing that. And, but we had to go and find God in that place. It's like, Lord, what are you calling us to? And the, you know, the, more we, the more we commit to hearing God, the more we'll find ourselves walking into the things that He has called us to do. The more we keep following God, the more we find ourselves standing on the edge of our comfort levels. And the more we're standing on the edge of our comfort levels, the more we see His life breaking in. The more we see his life breaking in, the more we start believing that we are the people of God, that we're actually made to do this, that we're actually called to do this, that that I'm actually part of the plan. I'm starting to believe this now because I'm seeing God break in in my simple little prayers and my feeble little attempts to bring the kingdom in. It's life-changing. It happens. It's what God's loving to do. But we want to allow the Spirit to speak into those insecure places of our hearts. In our souls because the spirit is full of faith and full of power. The spirit's not timid and insecure. Because when we stop thinking like this, we stop thinking like orphans and we start thinking like the sons and daughters that God has called us to be and has made us to be. And then we start believing that we're actually part of the plan. And then life really starts happening at this point. All right. So if you start feeling insecure, I just want to encourage you. This is something that we have to go back to on a regular basis because we continually find ourselves in scenarios where, oh no, I'm feeling insecure again. I don't know if this is, I'm not so confident in this little sphere I'm in right now. God, what are you saying? What do I bring to the table? How do you want to use me right now? I've got to have him speak into those places. And so when we get insecure, find ourselves in those places, reach out to him, call him, go, Lord, speak. Lord, speak. You brought me here. I have no idea why I'm here because it seems like I'm way uh, way over my head on this deal. But if I'm supposed to be here, speak. Give me insight. Give me a word. Show me how to love. Show me how to follow. Show me how to respond. He will answer that prayer every single time. Amen? Next thing we need in order for this to affect our everyday life <clears throat> is relentless obedience. You know, it's just easy... To drift from what matters most sometimes. That's why I love Joshua 3 5, where it says, Consecrate yourselves for the tomorrow. (laughs) The Lord will do wonders among you. It is consecration, let me explain that. It is the process of separating ourselves from things that are unclean. And so today, that would, separating ourselves from unclean would be separating ourselves from anything that is challenging our allegiance to God. Whatever it is, we want to be keeping distance from those things because we want to be a people of a single focus. We want a one mind, one purpose. And so we have, if we are going to be people that are about the great commandment and about the great commission, then we are going to willingly and delightfully submit ourselves to consecration from time to time. Uh, this can, you know, it can look like a, a lot of different things. It can, um, let me say this first. I'm really, I am no different than anybody else. On get, I get distracted just, just the same. Um, sometimes we just have to give ourselves to some extended prayer. We want to get, I mean, it might be getting away for a day of prayer. It might be getting away for some worship. It might re- uh, look like some fasting. Um, it might look like laying down a certain food or drink for a season in order to consecrate and to, be, and to be able to hear clearly from God on the things that we are asking. And Why do we want to do this? I want to do it because I want the real life. I am so given to the culture and to the draw and to the pull, the, thing, the, the things that are clouding my mind. I know that about myself. So for every now and then I've just got to go, Jesus, you, I've got to refocus. I've got to allow you to speak into these things. Because I want the real life of God leading me. I want the fulfillment that He is promising. I want the satisfaction that rises up in me, that causes me to walk with grace and power and, and to be who I was made to be, to walk in life. That's the reason I want to do those things. And I will say this, that if we will just simply obey what God is asking us to do next, we will walk right into the very purposes that He made us to be every single time. It's as simple as that. Just say yes to God, follow Him, and He will lead you into the places that you were made to be. I will also say that there is no man on this planet that can stop you from rising to the places that God has set for you to be if you will say yes to Him. Clearly, God rewards faithfulness every time. Every time He rewards faithfulness. And it's just... Our culture does not value this. It is everything in Jesus. Being men and women of our word and obeying the King and having an ear that is tuned to the Spirit that says yes. And everything else is white noise. But it doesn't come... I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's a... It's not easy to do. But it's for those who will consecrate themselves, who will offer themselves to the living God. (laughs) Your heart will come alive in a way that you've never had your heart come alive. When you start just finding yourself on a long-term basis, just saying yes to Jesus over and over and over again. Because you end up, here's what we found out. I didn't get everything I wanted in life. I got everything I needed and everything my heart desired. I did not get everything I prayed for. Thank God. Can you hear me? I did not get everything I prayed for. I got everything my heart wanted. Everything my heart has desired. Meaning the, to live in the ways of God, to live close to the King, to be able to hear the King, to have purpose, to have meaning, to see lives changed. That's what gets me excited. Oh, I love going to the Ranger games and I love driving a new car, and all those things. It doesn't change my life. Those are peripheral stuff. What I'm living for and what my heart starts beating for is when I get to be involved in the plans of God and seeing lives touched and seeing people that were sad made, made happy and seeing discouraged hearts come alive and see people that believed they were not, not useful to God anymore to see them come back in and see God restore them and bring them up, bring them out of the embers. That's what gives me life you know why I know that? It's because it's what all you were made to do too. It's exactly what God has called you to be and to do. Okay. Last thing for that we need in order for this to affect our everyday life. Reproducing fruit. You know, 20 years ago, Jackie and I showed up at Christ Fellowship. And we really had nothing more than a hunger to know God. That's about all we were bringing to the table. (laughs) We had started our first jobs. We had no money. We had a tiny little apartment. We had two used cars. All we wanted to do was to know God, to honor God, and we were willing to do just about anything. We were willing to sacrifice just about anything to see it happen. It meant everything to us. We drove our cars <clears throat> with no AC, 45 miles to church every Sunday. And we would sit on the seats about a foot away from the back of our vinyl seats because we didn't want to be sweating when we got to church. Now, this was the day when you still wore suits, Kenny. All right? You know what I'm talking about. So we're wrapped up in our you know, suit, tie up to here. And it's 104 in the pickup we're driving. Jackie's got her Sunday dress on, and we're like got the windows down and so we show up at church and like we totally smell like the wind. Do you know what? It didn't, it didn't matter to us a bit. We were as happy as we could be. We'd have loved to have some AC, but it was not stopping us from getting to the place where God's people were. We knew we were going to encounter God. We knew this was the best, this was the best day of our entire week. And we're showing up and nothing's going to stop us. No AC, no filter, no nothing. We are going to meet with God, Jackie. At the time, Jackie's cars broke down. We got one car that has no AC in it, and just this is awesome. We're living the life, man. The first couple years, you know, of our marriage, while all this is, you know, same things going on. I mean, you talk about broke. We had we had nothing, and I remember many many Saturdays. It was it was two or three years. We would go. We would get paid on Friday, and we'd show up at the grocery store on Saturday with a complete $25 to buy groceries for the week. The reason we had $25 left over is because what we had said was we're going to pay our bills and then we're going to give the tithe to God and we will live on what's left over. God's not going to get what's left over. We're going to get what's left over. We'll adjust our life in order to honor Him. It was a sacrifice. What that meant was we're walking into the discounted grocery store down the street every Saturday. I'm going in there, got a calculator and 25 or 30 bucks for the week. And Man, you talk about a calculator blowing up. (laughs) Just, you know, I mean, we are making this money stretch, you know. The beautiful thing on this is Hamburger Helper. Let me just tell you. The power of Hamburger Helper. I mean, they've got like Regular hamburger helper. They've got like triple cheese hamburger helper. They've got Italian hamburger helper. I think they've got like Mexican hamburger helper. I mean, it's like the nations in our house every week, and it just, we're eating. And I pray to God most days that I don't ever have to eat it again. But during all that time, we're just living and dealing with life. Friday nights are reserved for the church prayer meeting. And as soon as we get off work, it's home, we eat, and we are headed to the prayer meeting. Another 40 minutes drive as we're living in Carrollton, driving a car that's got no air conditioner, and I'm telling you, there is nothing stopping us from getting to the prayer meeting. We are going, we are meeting with about 30 folks, 30 of our friends there, and we're meeting God, encountering God, we're praying, and we're wanting to see the power of God move. We've never seen much of this stuff, and so we're just praying and meeting with God and just Miracles, prophetic words happening, people getting healed, and just crazy to us, crazy stuff's going on. It's changing our life. We're going to the prayer meeting. You know, and that's just one of the places that we just started serving. That's how we kind of got connected to the church at the beginning. It's like, we're just going to go to the prayer meeting. And the interesting thing on that was that as we started just Getting, serving there at the prayer meeting like that, we started seeing all these other spiritual gifts that we had coming out that we didn't even know we had. So we're doing that, and for, before too long, somebody asks us to, hey, will you intern in our life group? We're like, sure. Well, that's, yeah, well, absolutely, we'll do the intern thing. Not too long after that, we're, you know, we're leading a life group, led a few life groups, and on and on and on. But as we're serving, what we realize is that we're getting to unfold these other gifts that we didn't, hadn't really explored yet. So what this led to was us having these unbelievable parties at our house, meaning we would invite 30, 40 of our neighbors to come, and then we'd invite 15 or 20 of our church friends to come. We're like, this is totally strategic. We're bringing these people together. We love our neighbors. We want to have fun. We want to be part of the community. But these people need Jesus, so we're going to bring some people that know Jesus, and we're going to let them all interact, and we're going to have a blast, and we're going to let see what God does. Unbelievable, just fun. I mean, it was all about playing games and eating good food and laughing our heads off and swimming pools and all kinds of stuff. This ends up leading to us discipling people in our neighborhood. We were baptizing people in our swimming pool after this. uh, And it was just on more than one occasion, we had neighbors leaving our house at 11.30 after the party's winding down and told us, they said, this is the most fun I've ever had without being drunk. We're like, yeah. They're like, when's the next party? We're like, it's coming. Trust me. We just kept kept throwing these parties, doing them over and over again. A couple years later, you know, we began to uh, uh, start praying about starting our own business, and uh, something I'd always wanted to do. But I was like, I don't know if I really know how to do this, God. I mean. I know how to work. i got a good work ethic, but I don't know if I know how to run a business. And so I'm wanting to start the business, but also just stepping back because I'm like, God, this has got to be you. I mean, I'm fixing to step off out of every security blanket that I, I mean, it's an all or nothing deal. I, we, we just had a, a new house. I'm like, what are we thinking? Like, I've got a new house and now we're going to start a business. And so I'm going, God, this has got to be you. Otherwise, it would be the stupidest thing I've ever done. And so we're praying, and we spent you know, probably six months really seeking the Lord on this. And so I was like, God, you know what I know. You know what I don't know. What do I do? How do I know if this is you? And I'm pouring over the Word of God. and just going, Lord, speak. I'm just looking. Just whatever you say is whatever I'm going to do. And it jumped out to me. It was clear as anything one day. It was Matthew 6.33. He said, Todd, seek first the kingdom of heaven and His righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. And I was like, got it. I can do that. See, I don't know how to, have to do everything else that's coming in the future. But what I do know how to do is follow God. I know how to hear God say yes to him, and I'm coming running, God. It's me and you. And if you're saying yes, then I'm all in. Let's do this. And here we are again today, guys. We're all at this, we're all at this place again. We find ourselves here today, and we're all in. We're all in saying yes to Jesus. It's all he's asking us to do is just keep saying yes. I'll say this that's not the entire story. Because we have had plenty of pain, plenty of disappointments, plenty of challenges along the way. Uh, I mean, we have, we have dealt with you know, all types of challenges along the ways, we've had dreams that didn't work out. Uh, We've dealt with infertility and uh, being unable to have children. We have had three of our parents die along the way. uh, And just deal with the overall pressure of running your own business. We've got stuff going on. We've been through the wilderness more than once, guys. But what I want to say on that is that in in God, the wilderness is never wasted. Never. He will fight for you every single time. The ones that are old enough to know are shaking their heads yes. He will defend you at every turn. He will never leave you. He will come in and at at the right time, just when it is needed, He will bring redemption to your hearts in these places. Amen?